few weeks ago that for whatever reason, I got on spiritual gifts for a little bit. Um, and so this morning, I want this, a question came up, and it's a good question because a lot of times I'll say something, and then somebody will either email me, text me, and I hate either one of those. I'd rather just have a conversation with you. And so somebody asked this question about this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 9 because I made the statement about gifts of healing. Gifts is plural, and healing is singular. So somewhere in this, a few weeks ago, when I was kind of hammering through this stuff, I mentioned gifts of healing, and, and so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little slow with you this morning, and I won't put you to sleep, hopefully, the first six minutes. But I, I need you to understand the difference. This is not working in miracles. Working in miracles is instantaneously, it's, it's, it's something that's said, something is done, and immediately, it's called Simeon, it's a sign that something supernatural has happened at the moment. Unfortunately, the church, that's the way that we perceive that God's works, and it's not. He can do that, but it's not. That's not the rule. The rule is by increments. Jesus healed many people by increments, and I can prove it, and you knew I won't, you know I won't say unless I can prove it. Certain things that happened immediately, but the majority, it did not. One time he healed a blind man. He said, what do you see? And he goes, I see men walking like trees. Sometimes when you get born again, you're born again, but still people look goofy. Turn to somebody and say, you still look goofy to me. Tell them that. We, we, and that's just the way, it, I ain't got time to talk about that. So gifts, gifts of healing. So first of all, we're going to define what gifts of healing means, and then we're going to take off. The word gifts is where we get a Greek word for charismatic or charisma. It's, it's a Greek word called charisma. Has anybody ever heard that in Pentecostal church, charisma? All right, where well, we get a word for haris. You think it's charis, but it's not. Harisma is the pronunciation of this word, haris. Haris was a political term way before it was a religious term. And the definition of haris is this, that the superior, which is the king, will give whatever is needed to the inferior, the subjects. The king had it all. Harish means, and we use the word for harish like grace, and, and, we, and, and, and that is all applicable, but, but that's just part of the picture. Harish means this, that the king, the superior, will give whatever is needed and required to the inferior. So God is the king of all things. Would you agree to that? And without him, you and I are in trouble. Without, so he gives us everything that we need, Peter says, that pertains to life and godliness. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. The word author is archage, where we get the word for architect, and finisher is, is teleos. He's the completer. He is the architect and the builder of our faith. It's all in him. Do not put your trust in me. I will disappoint you. Thank you. And if you put your trust in all these TV preachers and you let down, well, good for you. That's the greatest thing ever happened to you. The greatest thing ever happened is, is to Isaiah is the year that King Uzziah died of leprosy. The great king, the unstoppable champion for 38 years that took it on his own to walk into the temple and tell God I'm somebody. At that moment, he died. His skin was eaten away of leprosy and the people saw him for his filth and disease that he was. And he said when he got all of his pictures out of the church, Isaiah, for the first time I walked in and I saw the Lord lifted up. 
Some of you, you got all these icons in TV ministries, TV books, TV writers, book writers, and they become your reinforcements of your belief and your doctrine. I'm not against any writers or any TV evangelists. I'm just telling you, if they take the place of Christ, you're in trouble. So gifts mean haris or whatever that you need, God will give it to you. Plural. Now, the second word we're going to learn today, class, is healing. And the word healing means ima. And ima basically means that's not right. It's kind of right, but it, it is right. It means a cure or the cure. It means the cure, a cure. So ima, it means the cure. That's what it means. Eoami is a word for healings. It's basically the same word, eoami. So by the definition of eoami means completion through increments. All right. So don't get these confused. And I'm going to tell you something when you deal with praying for people and believing for people's needs, you really need to pay attention to this because this will keep you from jumping ship. Gifts of healing, the word the gifts plural means there's a variety of ways that people can be healed. It, it could be through medicine. Matter of fact, the, the word, the word eomi, where we get a word for therapy, where we get a word for therapy, for therapy, for recovery. Jesus said, you lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Therapeuo, recovery. It means, it means completion through increments. It doesn't mean instantaneously. It means that sometimes you're going to come in here with problems and if you don't get it the first Sunday, you go, well, it didn't work. Well, you don't understand the principle. And it's not funny, but it is funny. The middle boy, Jeremy, come home from Fox uh, preschool. First day, it was the three-hour I think he went at 9, he got out at noon. Maybe he went at 8, got out at 11. I don't know. First day, he come home, little toe-headed, come home first day, got him off the bus, here he come. And, and Gayla said, how was school? And he said, it was great. And I said, we, we, are you going to go back tomorrow? He goes, nah, I think I'll just wait and go to college. That's what he said. <laughs> Four years old. Well, he lived up to that thing, I think. But so, so... I don't care what background you come from. Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Vegetarian. I don't really care where you come from. I'm just telling you that sometimes you, you believe the concept that if it don't happen immediately, then God's not in. That's a lie. Eomi means it's processed through increments. And there's a variety of ways you can be healed. Somebody said this morning, one of the greatest healers wrapping your arm around somebody said, I love you. Welcome. Been missing you. Your clothes match. Anything. You're losing weight. Because you never know how many people's come in here with a low self-esteem. So just don't sit back there and think this doesn't pertain to you. Sure it does. We should be all carrying medical bags of hope and love and generosity for the people even in the church. So this is a true story. About two years ago, Steve and I were working on the house. Well, I was working. He was watching me, as usual. And, and, and we were putting up a big old beam. And, and I'll tell you, I, I mean, it was a heavy beam. It was next door to, to here, to, to my house. And I think the thing was about, I don't know, 30 inches, 24 inches tall and 22 feet wide. It was two before stacked. It was LVL beams. It was heavy. There's a couple of guys helping us. And I lifted up. We was all lifted together. And I was acting like I was lifting, but Brandon wasn't there. So I lifted up, and, oh, it pinched my nerve. Oh. I, I rocked around there for two or three days, and I told Steve, I said, oh, this is killing me. This is killing me. And then that night, my, my neck locked up. 
So I told her, I said, I guess I've got to go to a chiropractor. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I'd rather, I hate doctors. Nothing personal, but I don't want to go to a doctor. And she said, well, we'll make you an appointment to go see her. I said, that's fine. I'm at this point, that's fine. So I climb on the lawnmower that afternoon. I'm more in my front yard. In front of my house, I've got a huge Bradford pear tree. It's big. And the limbs are kind of low, but it's big. And, and I've been mowing for a while like this. You know, I'm not, because I'm just seeing out of this one high. And... And it's hurting every time I hit a bump. It's hurting, and, and, I, and I, I kid you not, I get over by that Bradford pear tree, and I just said this. Oh, I called for prayer, but nobody would answer me. You know, divorce not going to answer me, and can't get the drummer to answer me. And so I just said, Lord, I just need some healing for my neck. That's what I said. And, and within a second, I was backing up with a lawnmower, and I hit a tree limb. And it healed it. <laughs> Honest engine. Wouldn't lie to you. It's not really the way I wanted healing to happen. But I've been dragging around the house for four days. And I could have said, I could have been specific. Now, Lord, I need the man of God to come up on the street and lay hands upon me and do certain things. But I said, Lord, I just need healing. And the Lord said, all right, watch this. And I run into a tree limb. Amen. And he healed me. See, there's an old saying that says this, I want to do the will of God. Unfortunately, I just want to do the will of God my own way. And I got news for you. Here, 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 here's the here's spoiler. That's not going to happen. Because the Bible said in Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my, my time is not your time, and so you might as well adjust your thoughts and your ways and your clock. My will will be performed. I'm just not going to do it your way. And so he chose to use a tree limb at five miles an hour to snap my neck in place. And little do you know that God may be doing some things in your life. It may just not be the protocol that you laid out the rules for God to do. You know the story. The hurricane cut, the flood came down to New Orleans. The preacher's on the housetop. Helicopter come by and said, here, I'm here to rescue you. He said, no, I'm believing God. The waters got up the rooftop. Helicopter come by and he said, here, we're going to rescue you. He said, no, I'm here to believe God. Climbed up on the chimney, the waters to the chimney. Helicopter come by and said, we're here to rescue you. He said, I'm believing God. He drowned. He got to heaven. He said, God, what's the deal? He said, well, knucklehead, I sent you three helicopters. <laughs> so sometimes if, in the healings of God, God giving you what you need, it may not be exactly in the way that you thought it would be. So, so here's where we begin this morning. I always have loved the Old Testament prophets. Their unconventional ways, uh, their mannerisms, uh, their customs. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just out there. And I've always loved, I, I, I love the way they communicate with things. I, I love their courage. I love John the Baptist more than I love the Apostle Paul, really, kind of. I mean, I mean, I like them both, but I'll tell you, John just said it like it was. I mean, and these Old Testament prophets, they were the same way. I mean, they were cut from a different cloth, ladies and gentlemen. They were kind, but were, they were not afraid of any wicked king. And they trusted God with everything that they had. And not everything went as what they thought was, would happen, but no, make no mistake about it. It never swayed them from veering off their commitment to God. So this morning, 
One of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of my favorite men is a guy named Elisha. And Elisha does not have a twin brother named Elijah. So where this story kind of picks up this morning about healing is Elisha found in 2 Kings about Naaman the leper. I'm not going to go through a lot of time about this, but Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army, which was a Gentile, which was the enemy of Israel. Very important. And the reason why I'm going to say this to you, because you may not know this, but Elisha had a school of the prophets. Elisha had a school going on. And, and these were good boys. These, these boys was taught the ways of Jehovah. They were taught the customs and the feasts. And they were taught everything that was handed down, not only from the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the law of Moses. So, so Elisha's job was to instruct these men in the way of God. But Naaman from Syria knew nothing about that. And, we're going to, and I hate to use the word unbeliever, but, unbeliever because God had favor on him. We found that in 2 Kings chapter 5 and 1. God had favored him, and God had favored Naaman so much that he gave Israel over to him. But forget about all that. So somewhere in the capture of Israel, Naaman brings back the Israelite people, and he keeps this little girl for himself, for his wife, because they didn't have children. So somewhere we find out that Naaman has a skin disorder. Now you see the word leprosy. There's about six words in Hebrew for leprosy. Sometimes in the New Testament, leprosy has got this skin and nose eaten off and fingers are gone, and, and that's one form of it. But it could be a discoloration. It could be eczema. It, it could be psoriasis. It could be the, the uh, discoloration of the skin, loss of hair, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. Things like you'd want to get a tattoo that says Texas Longhorns, all kinds of wicked things like that, see, on your body. So the little girl one day, she, she, she saw him, and maybe, maybe he was got out of the swimming pool, and she looked at him, and she said, oh, my, I've never seen that. And Naaman said, well, I'm a little embarrassed by it because it's, 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 it's a very ugly skin disorder. And she said, there's a man of God in Israel that can heal that. Yeah. And he said, do what? And she said, I know of a man that can heal that. And he said, do you now? Isn't it amazing the Bible talks about children See, Naaman had, had two diseases. One was pride and one was leprosy. Listening to a child was his first step in the right direction. So he goes to the king and he said, listen, this is what the little girl said, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and the king said, I know, I've heard of him. His name is Elisha. He said, I'll send the letter to the king and so on and so forth. And so this is how this set, is set up. So now Naaman is headed to Elijah's house, Elisha's house. So we're going to start reading in verse number 9 in the message Bible that says this. So Naaman, with all of his horses and chariots, arrived in style. Style. I mean, there was Harley Davidson's all over them horses. <laughs> so here come Naaman, powerful, majestic, full force, General George Patton. And he rides to the house in style and stopped at Elisha's door. Now watch this. So he knocks on the door, and the name said, I want to speak to Elisha. So Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with this message. Tell him to go to Jordan River and take a bath. So here's, just leave that person. So he gets a knock on the door, and I mean, we got an entourage of, of people. We got, we got a caravan of soldiers at the front door. The door knocks, and this guy opened the door, one of the school of the prophet students, and he said, can I help you? He said, I'm here to speak to Elisha. 
And so the student said, Elijah, there's somebody here. And he said, I'm watching Texas get beat by Oklahoma again. Tell him, what does he want? He won't even come to the door. And he goes, what do you want? He goes, I want to speak to Elisha. And he doesn't tell him what he wants. Elisha says, tell him to go down there and dip seven times and he'd be good as new. Notice he doesn't tell Elisha what he wants. God has already revealed to him what he wanted. Now, it gets funny. And he said, go tell him to immerse yourself seven times. Immerse yourself seven times and now he'll be good as new. Watch this next verse. And Naaman lost his temper. I've been doing this up here for 33 years. And exclude present company. You cannot believe the people that have come to this church that expected God to change their situation immediately. And some of them has come up here and they give me this story, which is a good story. And they give me this story and I will say this, have you prayed for yourself, as James says? The Bible said, if any sick among you, then let him pray. If you don't get any results, call the elders of the church. Okay? So I'm not a smart aleck, no matter what my wife says. I'm not a smart aleck. But, but this is what Elisha did. Elisha said, tell him to go take a bath. Tell him to go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River. And, and I, I'm sure, being the commander of, of the army, I'm sure he snapped. I'm sure you could put an egg on top of his head. And he said, of all the nerve, watch this. And he turned on his heel. He spun out. And he said, I thought he would personally come out here and meet me. Call on the name of God and wave his hand over the deceased spot and said, abracadabra. To get rid of the disease. You see the misconcept, especially in the, some of you that have never been in Pentecostal circles or simply, I said circuses. I got it right, but... The idea is this, that, they, that you've got issues and you need healing, whether it be mentally, physically, socially, spiritually, or whatever it may be. And you get this concept that, that I'm the guy that can do it. I'm going to tell you right, I can't do anything. I can do no thing, no thing without him. So Elisha said, here's the deal. Just tell him to go take a bath by himself. And the concept is that people get mad because you think that I don't care. I do care, but I'm trying to prove a point to you that God is greater than me. God is greater than my prayer. The, the amount of God lives in you as he does in me. We're just going to have to tap into that. We're going to have to put on our, our big boy britches and say, you know what? I may have to pray for myself. Of all the nerve, he wouldn't even pray for me. It's not the fact I didn't pray for you as like Elijah. I know what's going on. I'm trying to teach you that this whole thing is about him. Oh, he got mad. So he stomped off, and boy, he wanted to burn the house down. And, do, and so one of the servants said, listen, why, why don't you just, listen, why don't you just calm down? Thank you for godly counsel. And he said, if he'd have asked you something hard or something ridiculous, you would have done it. So let's go to verse 14, watch this. He said, there's no waving of hands here. There's no loud music going on. There's, there's nobody pushing me down or picking me up or throwing a coat on me. There's nothing going on. There's nobody lathering me with WD-40. I mean, I don't see feathers coming from the sky. There's nothing going on here. All he said was, go take a bath. How ridiculous is that? It's amazing that we've complicated the things of God. 
There's some things I'm telling you right now that I cannot change and you cannot change. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 29, 29, there's some things that are mysteries of God that only he should know, but this is what he said, but what you do know, proclaim it. There's some things that was never intended your business. There's a lot of people that some bad things have happened to us that we spent our whole life questioning why it happened, and all along God said it never was your business to know why it happened. One day you'll know. But from now on, why don't you just declare what you do know? That I'm good and I'm loved and I'm going to give you a future. Okay? So now then, in verse 14, 15, it says this. So he did, and he went down and immersed himself into Jordan seven times, following the orders of the holy man, and his skin was healed, and it was like the skin of a baby, and he was good as new. Okay? Verse 15. And when he went back to the holy man, and to his entourage stood before him and said, I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth than the God of Israel. And in gratitude, let me give you a gift. Now, I want you to know every culture had gods. He was very familiar with Amrad's God, Ramon. He was very familiar with this, but he said, now then, what's it? See, this is, this is what this is all about. If you're not careful... We break the, the second commandment of the tens. He said, I'll have no other God before me. If we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not looking at you, but when it comes to gifts of healing or ways of healing, if we're not careful, we'll prop up these men in front of God. I'll say something like, well, the word of God said this. You say, yeah, but so-and-so on television said this. Listen, once again, you've almost broken the second commandment. Don't put these people beside God. Don't put these people in front of God. Let the word of God speak for itself. Let the word of God be proclaimed and, and give us patience and perseverance to trust and believe the word of God and the outcome that we... So this is what happens. He says, so this is the outcome of this. He said, now that I know for a shadow of a doubt that it's your God. It, it wasn't you, Elisha. It wasn't you. It was your God. It is what this is about. This thing is not about me. It's about the God that we serve. I'm glad we can come together and have fellowship, but this is about, about Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected and interceding for us every day of our life. Because the day will come where I won't be here and the day will come that maybe your friends won't answer the phone. That's when you need to know it's God who does the work. See? It's not the fact I don't care about you because I do. But we're in the business of weaning people off of us to get us towards God. So now then, What's what happens? He said, in gratitude, let me give you a gift. So he's got a gift. So we know in verse 5, here's the gift. Watch this. So well then, he told the king, I'm, the king of Amram, I'm going to send the letter to introduction to the king of Israel. So he went off, Naaman, taking with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10, cents, 10 sets of clothing. Now, we're not talking about Walmart special. We're talking about Armani suits. So the commander-in-chief of the uh, AV department did some figuring for me, and we're going to get as close as we can, a troy ounce. We're going to close this. This is how much he had on him. Okay? Watch this. 750 pounds of silver is worth $257,280. $257,280 as of today. 150 pounds of gold is worth $3,914,040. The 10 sets of clothes is worth between three dollars and $5,000 today. 
you add all that up, and here's the gift. $4,176,320 and some change. Now, I know nobody in this place, this section would, but I know none over here. If some guy says, I have a check, if you'll just wave your hand over me and say the magic words, Mecca, Mecca, high, Mecca, honey, low. That would be Pee Wee's Herman's words. But if you'll just say the words, I happen to have a cashier's check for four million one hundred and seventy, and immediately Hobson's going to go, the Lord just spoke to me, brother. <laughs> you spell that capital M-R-B-R-A-D. Well, it happens later on the sermon, but we ain't going to get to that. He has a check for him for four million one hundred seventy-six thousand three hundred twenty dollars and Elisha said, he wouldn't even, and, and so imagine him knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and he said, Elisha. He goes, what? He said, he's got a check for $4,176,320. He said, I don't care. I can't take it because it's not me. We know that he has taken other money and other gifts because something that he physically done. We know that. There was five other things that happened. There's 1632 total miracles, but he's not against taking gifts, but for this, and he said, I can't do anything. I'm not involved in this. <laughs> it's all God. You see that? If you pray for somebody and things don't work, and you take the blame for it, God allowed that to happen because if you'll take the blame for something, you'll take the credit for something. Ooh, now that hurts. That hurts bad. When I learned that 15 years ago, that stung pretty hard. You know why? Because I was taking credit for a prayer. And so I come to this resolve of this. All I am is a channel. And if God chooses to do something through me, he's going to go right through me uncontaminated, and he's going to meet that need. But I'll tell you straight up, I'll pray with you. I'll hold your hand. I'll help you. I'll do everything I can, but make no mistake about it. There's nothing in me that has the ability to bring life to death or, or sickness to disease. It's all God. All I did was, was an available vessel, and that's all I am. And I'm not taking the credit for anything that God does because it's all him. You know why? Because I want God still flowing through me. That's it. I just, I just did. Same way with you. So he said, I can't take any money. And I will tell you, for me, I mean, you know, if, if you're Tom West, it's, it's nothing. But for me, $176,320 is a pretty good chunk of change back then. He said, I can't take it. So now it even gets better. So let's go to the next verse. Here we go. We got to quit. So he's shaking his head. And he said, I don't understand anything. I don't understand anything about you. You're weird. Turn to me, you're weird. You're just weird. I don't understand this. The culture that I come from, everybody takes a bribe. The culture I come from, the high priests are the most wealthiest people that we have. That we buy our way, we do this, we got magical spells, and we just pay like a bad slot machine. We're just dishing out money. But here's a man of God that absolutely, that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that your God is God of heaven and earth. And you won't take a red cent. And he said, because it's not me. And so Naaman said, then, if, if not, please let your servant be given two mules he said, if, 
If, if you won't take anything, then I'm going to take something from you. Now that figures. And he said, would you please give me two mule loads of earth that I can take back to where I live? That's a strange request. Now, in ancient cultures of, of divine worship, that it is said that a god could not go beyond the boundaries of a geographical area. That's why the Bible says, if you don't know this, I'm giving you a Bible lesson. Not only is God omniscient, um, it means all science. It's omniscience, all-knowing, and all-present. It means God is not limited by boundaries. And when you see the word omnipresent, there's a reason why he says that is because back then that gods were confined to geographical locations. So he meant this with great innocence. His God of, of, of Rimmon could not cross the borderline of Israel. See? And so there was a couple cultures felt like that that in order to make mounds for sacrificial offering, you could take the dirt back with him. But I'm not for sure that's what he wanted to do. There's a difference between soil and dirt. He doesn't say, I want two mule loads of dirt. I want two mule loads of soil or earth. By definition... That soil is alive with living organisms, organic matter, minerals, nutrients. They got a few worms involved. It has everything to provide and support life. Soil does. The dirt is dead. Say that with me. Dirt is dead. Dirt has no organic matter, no organisms, no minerals, no nutrients, and it has nothing in the material form to support life or growth. Watch what happens. He said, I want to take soil back to my home. You see, some people come to church this morning. Jordan, hit the music. And, and I'm, I'm not even going to say, let's, let's forget about you that here on a regular basis. But there's going to be people going to walk in the door that, that are living in a different culture than you're living in. They got a different home. They got a different thing going on. They, got, they, they are subject to all kinds of ungodliness and, and everything that you can imagine just like him. False gods, false deities, false everything. They're doing their own thing. But, for, for, but they come to this church house. They come to this church house by themselves. And something happens. They hear a knucklehead say that it's in God. All you got to do. God's not limited by a boundary. He says God is in, within his yellow walls. He's God on cattle. He's God on Main Street. God has no barriers. He can be God in your house. He can be God on the bar stool. He can be God in the backyard. He can be God on the, on the lawnmower cracking your neck. He's not limited by time or space. You don't have to rush here and say, oh my goodness, I, I've got a problem. I need you to meet me at the church because it's in the church that God works. Listen, there's no waving of hands and magical potions here. I'll just tell you right where you are, turn the car off, bow your head, and cry out to God. 
I found God to be more real to me driving down the road than in this church house. I'll come to know God behind the steering wheel of an 18 semi-truck shifting gears. That's where I come to know God. It wasn't in seminary. Never went. Never went to Bible college. Never went. That's how I knew God. He wanted soil. And these people will come here and watch this. They'll come here and they'll learn of God. They're seeing there's something alive here. There's something growing here. There's something that, that is, is, is alive in the goodness of God. And you never know. They say, I want to take this home with me. Because I'm going to go home in a situation that is not like this. Some of you are going to go home and things haven't changed. Some of you are going to go home to an abusive husband, a dysfunctional family. Your family put the fun in dysfunctional, huh? Some of you are going to go home to an abusive wife, abusive husband. There's a lot of chaos. But for, for the moment, you're in a place where God is healing you. And you're saying this as Naaman said it. I got changed this morning. I don't understand it. It's the most goofiest thing. I thought a preacher would come down and lay his hands on me and say something and throw his coat on me and shake me and jerk me. Nothing happened here. I just sat under the umbrella of God's Word and something began to change in my heart and my mind and my life. And I want to take that home. And if those people will not come to church, watch this, then let the church go to them. And Naaman said, where I'm going to go back, nothing's changed. As a matter of fact, he even said, it's going to be required to me to take my master into the temple of Ramon, and I pray for forgiveness ahead of time. And Elisha said, just go. I'm not giving you permission to do anything stupid. I'm not here to condemn you or condone you. I'm just telling you, go. But little do we realize the emphasis of what's going on. Naaman went home to a culture that was completely different than the ways of Israel. But he went back healed, but he went back with soil. Some people come to church and want to take soil home with you. Some people come to church and want to take dirt home. Did you come this morning to take home soil, or did you come home, come here this morning to take home some dirt? I'm asking you a question. Did you just come, just take home dirt? Oh, did you hear the piano player up there hit the wrong chord? Did you see that? Did you see what he was wearing? Did you see what she was wearing? Where did she do this? How did he get that? Blah, blah. And all you're doing, you're, you're not taking on the good soul that's alive with the things of God that will help your wife grow, your kids grow, your family grow, your business grow. All you're hauling on is just dirt. No wonder ain't nothing growing in your life. So I don't have all the answers. I'm not the guy. But I'll tell you one thing. In this place that God has roped off this morning, this is where God is. And there's something alive and growing. There's nutrients, there's minerals and vitamins in this place through His Word. And I encourage you, whatever that you've learned today, felt today, experienced today, and begin your process of healing, for goodness sake, just take a little home with you and go to your house and plant it. As a matter of fact, I wrote this as we go. What's this?
Maybe he said this, that I'm going to go back to my world that has not changed. So I'll plant myself in the soil of God's power and love. And there I'm going to change my home, my community. I'll change my world. So let's say that you're married to someone that's not in complete agreement with what you're doing here today. It's okay. I'm glad you're here. Take some soil home with you. So maybe your family's messed up. Who's not? My family's more of the Munsters and the Adams than they are the Cleavers. Are you with me? All right. But while I'm here, instead of just trying to take home dirt, stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that won't help me, stuff that won't grow, why don't I just take home some good soil and plant my kids and my wife and my family and my job and my everything around me because I know in the soil that's here this morning, things will grow and it'll flourish because God's in it. So this morning, for whatever reason that you're here, there are gifts of healing. There's a variety of ways that you could be healed. Some may be prayer. Some may be laying hands on. Some may be conversation. But I will tell you, God is not limited through the varieties of ways you can be healed. But here's the answer. He promised to heal us. There's some things I cannot control. I can't go past His divine will. So there's some things that it doesn't mean that I failed or God failed. It just means that the allotment of God's timing is finished. But I will tell you, while I'm here today, I'm going to take home the song that Catherine sung. I'm going to take home a shovel full of, of the song that Sarah sung to me. I'm going to take home the memories of what happened with AJ and Joanna this morning. When I go home, I'm not going to take a bunch of dirt on other people because I really don't care because that's not productive for me or my family. I'm, I'm going to take home the love and the respect and the generosity of the handshakes and the love that I felt in this place and I'm going to take that home and I'm going to plant something and it's going to grow. And if you'll take what you've got today and take it home with you, you'll change your home, you'll change your job, you'll change your world because God decided to heal you this morning. God is good all the time. Father, this morning, thank you for your promise that you made us, that you would heal all our diseases. You know us. We can only see surface. We can only see topical things, but deep down there is many people, probably all of us, that has struggled to get here. And we're like Naaman. We're honorable. We love you. But we just got this thing that's causing us a social embarrassment, a physical embarrassment, a spiritual embarrassment that we just can't shake. Whether it be our anger, whether it be our temper, whether it be our uncompassion, whatever it may be that we are not really the man and women of God that you want us to be. I'm here this morning to ask you for some help. 
Would you heal us? I would accept it, but I don't need any man to lay hands on me. I'll accept it, but I don't need anybody to speak anything over me. I'm just asking you to heal us. Heal us of a broken heart, a marriage that went wrong, a bitter divorce, betrayed by your best friend. I'm asking you to heal us this morning. We're going to go home to some stuff. We're going to go home to some junk. We're going to go back to a job that doesn't care if I came to church this morning. We're going to go back to a school system that absolutely hates the name of Jesus Christ, but I can't change that right now, but would you change me while I'm here? And I can take a little bit home with me. So would you heal us this morning? In whatever ways that you see fit, that we'll be the men and women of God that will declare your name in, in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Stand to your feet if you would this morning, huh? God is good all the time. All right, communion servers. So Jesus in Luke chapter 4 is giving this discourse in the synagogue to all his Jewish friends. And he makes this statement, of all the people that was in Israel, of all the lepers that were in Israel, of all the lepers that had skin conditions that were in Israel in Elisha's time, God only healed one. And it made them so mad, they took him to throw him over the cliff. God only healed one. And he wasn't even an Israelite because he had faith in God. So here, here we are this morning. We quit. Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in anybody else. Put your faith in God. Cry out to God. If you don't get any answers, then call me and we'll help you. And maybe I'll be like that old tree limb. I may snap you a little hard, but we're going to get some results in your life. Be healed this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. For you that are not in the habit or the custom of celebrating Holy Communion, we celebrate Holy Communion every week. It's not a ritual. It's not rules and regulations. It was the last thing Jesus told us to do. It was the last thing he told us to do beyond love one another. The bread will represent his body broken for you, your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts, your broken plans. Jesus Christ became broken that you could be whole. Remember this saying, he left us in peace, not in pieces. He took the cup, which was the third cup. It was the cup of redemption. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Lamb's blood that was taken in Moses' time, placed in the shape of a cross upon the doorpost. And when Abaddon, the death angel, would see it, he would pass over. He said, I am the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world, John 1 and 29. And my Father will take my own blood in the shape of a cross. 
As often as you take this bread and drink of this cup, it will remind you of who I am. Father, this morning, would you please bring us back to you? Our needs and our wants and our hurts, would you please direct us back to the bleeding side of Christ and our faith and trust in him? Bless this cup, bless this bread in Jesus' name. Amen.